in the NIV, it says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, I, I told you, I love new beginnings. I love fresh starts. And some of you are probably taking your kids uh, school shopping. I don't know, as a kid, I loved getting brand new notebooks. They had to match. You know, the, no mo notebook, the notebook and the folder had to match. Pencils had to be number two. Brand new erasers had to have the right pencil case. It was cool. And then I always got new tennis shoes. I don't know what about it. It was just like all these new things in my spirit. I felt like I was getting a new start in life. Even if the year before wasn't my best, <laughs> I had expectations that this next school year was just going to be awesome. There is something about receiving something new that ignites hope for the future. Our God is a God of new beginnings and fresh starts, and to those who believe in his power to restore, to revive, and to renew. you got to believe that. I would like to talk to you tonight from this subject of new beginnings. So if you'd like to stand, we're just going to have two scriptures I'd like to read. One is found in Isaiah 43 and verse 19, and the other one is found in Romans 6 and 4. If you're there, say amen. Amen. So Isaiah 6, or 43 and 19 says, Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I never thought of that, really. Have you ever seen a river in a desert? No. <laughs> He's going to do something impossible. He's going to do a new thing. And the other one is Romans 6 and 4. It says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also shall walk in newness of life. How often do you find yourself in a place where you need a fresh start or a new beginning? So let me encourage you tonight that our God is in the renewing business. So why don't you pray with me and... We'll go to the Lord here. Lord, we just, we want to thank you, God, for what you're already doing in this place tonight, God. You are so worthy of all praise and all honor, God. Hallelujah. And your word, it is perfect. It is true. Oh, God is ready for correction and all the things that you desire to do through it, God. Oh, I believe, God, there's new things for each and every one of us here tonight, God. I pray right now in your mighty name that every heart would be open, every mind would be able to receive what the Spirit is about to say to them in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Can we all agree that Jesus, again, is in that business of giving people a fresh start? Amen? Jesus encountered so many people in his ministry. Think about it. But it wasn't the religious people who got the fresh start. Who was it? It was those who recognized who he was and the impact he could have on their life. What about the blind man from birth? Jesus comes along, he spits in the, the clay, the dirt, the soil, rubs it on his eyes, he tells him, he sends him to a, a pool, he tells him to go wash. He washed his eyes. He got a fresh start. He had never, ever seen before. Could you imagine that? 
Open your eyes and seeing the world in front of you. What about Peter, who declares that he himself is a sinful man? Let me give you a little backstory. He was out fishing all night long, didn't catch a thing. Imagine he's going to come home to his wife and said, I don't have any money. You know, I don't know how we're going to pay our bills. I didn't catch any fish. But meanwhile, as he's cleaning his nets, Jesus comes by and asks if he could use his boat to preach a message. And he's cleaning his nets, and Jesus, like, after he's done, let's go out into the deep. I want you to take your net and throw it on the other side. Peter throws a net, and all of you know the story. He has so many fish that he can't even, like, his boat is sinking. He has to call somebody else to get their boats to fill that one up. And he falls on his knees, and he says, I am a sinful man. I, like, he saw Jesus at that very moment for who, he's, who he was. And Jesus said to him, come and follow me. Peter's life was changed that day. What about Zacchaeus? Everyone hated him. He was a tax collector. But he wanted to see Jesus. So he climbs up a tree. Jesus walks by, and he stops at the tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I bet the people all around him are like, do you know who he is? <laughs> you know, like, he's the tax collector. We hate him. And he's like, I want to go to your house. He goes to his house. Jesus talks about the kingdom. And he is just so mesmerized by Jesus. He said, if I have done anything, if I have stolen from anybody, I will give them back four times the amount. His life changed that day. Zacchaeus had a new beginning. One more. I'm just going to give one more. The criminals that were crucified with Jesus at the cross. Think about it. They're both on the cross on both sides of Jesus. And the people are mocking Jesus. They're telling, oh, if you're the son of God, why don't you have your angels take you down from the cross? And, and the one criminal is saying the exact same thing. You know, and the other one says to him, we deserve this. This man never did anything wrong. When you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? And Jesus said, today, you will come into the kingdom. His life was changed. It was a new beginning. The apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4 in the Message Bible, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. Repeat after me. I have a brand new life in Christ. I want to hear you. I have everything to live for. And my future is heaven. God is so good. He is so merciful, so powerful and true. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love where it says, if any. It means there's no limitations. There's no exclusions. Any person. But it says, if anyone is in Christ. Okay. So, in Christ says, the only re requirement for God is that to erase my past and make me new, I'm going to have to come to Jesus. 
I'm going to have to confess my sins and declare, I need you. I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. We call that repentance. You know, you were going this way, and then all of a sudden you, you heard the message, and you're like, I'm not doing that. And I need that in my life. He is good. He does miracles. He's, he is the one that only can save me and bring me to heaven. This is repentance. Okay, Jesus, I don't want to do it that way anymore. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. I want to follow you. Hallelujah. Now, in the book of John, chapter 3, it starts a conversation between a Pharisee named Nicodemus and Jesus. I love this story. It's so, like, you feel like you're right there, <laughs> like you're a fly on the wall. Nicodemus tells Jesus he believes that Jesus was sent by God because no one could perform the miracles that he did. You know what? Jesus does not disagree with him. But he takes that conversation to another level by telling him no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born again. Nicodemus is like scratching his, how can you be born again? Well, <laughs> now Nicodemus asks, how can you be born again? And Jesus replies to him. It's in John 3 and 5, and it says, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying there is a second birth. Rather than being a human rebirth, it's a spiritual rebirth. It's a new beginning. And only happens through the water and the Spirit. Jesus says that to be in Christ, to be a part of God's kingdom, to have eternal life, you must be born of the water, which is baptism, and of the Spirit, is the infilling of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, in the book of Acts in chapter 2, you're going to see the same thing. The Holy Ghost was poured out on the apostles and all that were in that upper room in Jerusalem. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost caused the people in the upper room to dance, to sing, to praise God, kind of like what we do in our services, <laughs> Put in a, uh, but in a language they had never spoken before. The Bible calls it tongues. And this was another new beginning. It was the beginning of the church. Now, the people in Jerusalem heard the loud commotion, and they wanted to know what's happening. You know, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're thinking, uh, I don't know if they've been touching something here. I think they might be drunk. But Peter tells them, no, what you're seeing and what you're hearing, it was prophesied in the book of Joel over 800 years ago. And it says in Joel 2, 28 and 29, this was the prophecy, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will shall prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on men's servants and on maidservants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Peter gives a sermon about Jesus, that he was the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for all their life, and they had crucified him. The people listened to Peter, and they believed he was speaking the truth. And they felt a deep conviction. And they wanted to know if there was anything they could do to be saved. And Peter gives them this message. 
in Acts 2 and 38. He says, Peter replied, repent. We just talked about that, right? Be baptized. That's the water. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they had seen and heard what that Holy Spirit sounded like. It sounded like a language they had never heard before. When we are born again to the water, baptism by total immersion in the name of Jesus and fill the Holy Spirit, evidence by speaking in tongues, we enter into the kingdom of God. At that point, you say, I'm in Christ. We have a new beginning, but still a lot to learn about the kingdom of God. We begin to uh, develop a prayer life. We start to read his word daily. And in those dis uh, disciplines, we continue to have new beginnings through the revelation of the Rima word and God gives us. Through that, we continue to build our holy faith so that we can live out the plan God has in store for our lives. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30 in the Message Bible says, Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, it comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. Hallelujah. Now, let's be honest, okay? We still have the ability to sin. We, do, uh, we so, do, uh, so, so do other people in our lives. And sometimes things in our lives just happen. Living for God isn't always rainbows and lollipops. Can I get an amen? All right. I believe there are times in our lives when we reach a point of frustration and despair. It's in those times we cry out, Oh, God, I need a new beginning. I need something to change in my life. And you know what? You're right. What needs to change? You and me. So how do we make that change? I want to take a brief look at three people in the Bible who experienced a fresh start, a new beginning. All these people were God-fearing. They had a relationship with God. Two of them were successful in believing uh, for the new beginning, but there was one group that didn't. And we'll look at what's the difference and hope that we will let God help us make a new beginning that shows his resurrection power towards those who believe. My first example, Job. Oh, nobody wants to hear that story. <laughs> yeah. The Old Testament book of Job tells us that Job was extremely wealthy. He was wise. He was highly respected man. My fingers are dry. Uh, yet Satan tried to drag Job away from God, along with ripping away everything Job owned by natural disaster. Not only that, everyone in Job's family, except his wife, died. Job didn't have a clue as to why this was happening to him. I, I just, as I was studying for this, I think of the people that are in Maui right now that had this inferno of fire that just ripped through their cities and towns. And some of them are lucky to be alive. And I feel like they had a Job experience. They don't have a, a car. They don't have a house. They don't have clothes. They, they didn't have electricity. They don't know where their, their loved ones maybe are. Think about that. Job didn't have a clue. 
And when his body was suddenly covered in boils, blisters, and oozing sores, thanks to the attacks of Satan, he was really confused and he was miserable. Through all of the physical and emotional pain and suffering, Job remained faithful. He was faithful to God. There were times he questioned why this was happening. He questioned he, uh, why it happened. He begged for mercy. He even wished that he had never been born. But through it all, he never forgot that all, whatever he had, it was God's. What he gave him and what God takes away, that was up to him. Because of Job's faithfulness, God gave Job a new beginning. Hmm. He gave Job even more wealth. He had before he gave Job and Mrs. Job um, some more children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Job accepted God's new beginning for him with a heart of thanksgiving. Honoring God and all he did for the rest of his life and God gave Job a new beginning. How about Joseph and his brothers? Joseph was a teenager full of energy and passion. And quite honestly, it appeared he was a bit of a show-off. His older brothers resented Joseph for being their dad's favorite. But he didn't stop Joseph from telling them he would someday rule over them. And he flaunted his fancy coat wherever he could. In Genesis, we see that Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, an act that ultimately led Joseph being a ruler of Egypt. Joseph went from the pit to the prison, even wavering, not ever wavering in his faith. The Bible always says that God was with him. Joseph always did something wherever he was planted. He always used his gifts and his talents, and what he did He was always elevated in that position. He had an amazing attitude, I think. We can learn from that, right? (laughs) Little did they know they were putting themselves in the mercy of Joseph. Okay, I'm off here. Hallelujah. All right. For Joseph's faithfulness during his trials and challenges, God rewarded him with a new beginning. Joseph's brothers also got new beginnings when they were forced to go to Egypt to buy food. Little did they know they were putting themselves at the mercy of Joseph. The brothers they sold, the brother they sold and they lied to their father about, when the truth came out, Joseph had a decision. He now had the power and the authority to decide their faith. Joseph saw the power of God through his own life. He realized he was put here for a purpose. There was a purpose in the pain that he had gone through. God used his life to save Egypt, but he also was saving his family, his whole family's life. Joseph Joseph chose to forgive them, allowing his brothers to have a new beginning, being a family. Joseph and his brothers got this new beginning. They lived the rest of their lives with gratitude and humility. As a result, God honored them. A lot of times our new beginnings start with trials and challenges. But if we're faithful and we stay the course, God honors that faithfulness. He does. 
Now the Israelites. After Joseph and all his brothers died, their descendants, who were the Israelites, continued to increase in prosperity and uh, popularity. They're, they're, uh, this actually scared Pharaoh. And it came, that came after Joseph, causing them to force the Israelites into slavery. After several hundred years of Israelite slavery, God sent Moses to rescue the Israelites, take them to the promised land, talk about a new beginning. But as we see time and time again throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites didn't make very good use of their new beginning. They told Moses they had been better off as slaves. Got tired a number of ways to help the Israelites see and understand. He really got tired. What a, a precious gift they had been given. Do we have a precious gift that's been given to us? Hallelujah. Unfortunately, most were blinded by idolatry, greed, fear, and all sorts of other sinful attitudes. As a result, their new beginnings ended up in uh, being a beginning of more pain, more suffering, and continued distance from God. God opens the doors to new beginnings. You know what? It's up to us to walk into them. So what have we learned? New beginnings require faith in a faithful God. We must believe he is good at all times, and he's the most powerful, most glorious, most awesome God that there ever will ever be, and that he is the one that's going to bring you through and bring a new beginning into your life. You have to believe that when you're going through the storms. Yes. And as a disciple of Christ, we need to be willing to go through the process. The Lord requires us with a good attitude, using our gifts and our talents right where we're planted. He brings the increase. Amen? We need a closer relationship with the Lord through reading the word and prayer. Communication is essential. Jesus has everything we need to accomplish his goals for our lives. If, remember I was saying when you, you've been born again, you're in the kingdom, and we got a lot to learn? If you don't have a prayer life and you're not reading the word, you're still standing there. And God is wanting to use you mightily. But he's only going to do it through the real word that he speaks into your life. He's going to, through the word that you're reading, it's going to help change your thinking to his way, his will, his purpose, his plan. Hallelujah. So that is so important that you have a prayer life and that you're in the word every day. I mean, you can be in it more than once a day, okay? <laughs> you can be praying all day long. And God is speaking if we're listening. He's always wanting to lead our footsteps. We need, um, and also we learn in this is that we can't quit. We can't give up. That's the easy way out, Right? You have to walk in faith. When we read a book, we start in chapter 1, right? And we read it to the end. Then a new chapter starts. We don't stay in that same chapter and think it's going to change, do we? It's time to turn the page. It's time to get up. 
It's time to live the life that Christ has died to give you. He's the God of newness. He is the God of restoration, healing, deliverance. Whatever you need in your life, in the life of others, God wants to do it through you. All right, so being in a perpetual state of whining and negativity gets us nowhere, right? We have little kids. They can whine and cry all day long, right? But you're like, nope, we're having dinner at 5 o'clock. You're not getting a snack. Like, God knows what's best for our lives. We tend to allow setbacks and failures to enslave us. Listen to Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Don't think about the past. It's over. God is more interested in our future than in our past. Maybe we think if we feel guilty enough, we'll earn a fresh start. Or if we dwell on mistakes long enough, better things will happen. That's a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Feeling bad about myself is not enough. But we have to repent, yes. But God is faithful, and he's just. He's going to forgive you of that sin. If we doubt, um, new beginnings aren't found in the physical world, world of ours. New beginnings come in living in the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. Oh, my God, you people should be standing up and shouting. God has a new beginning for your life, and he's not done with you yet. And there is so much more for your life. He is the author and finisher of your life. He is the one that's writing each and every chapter of your book. And it is good. It is good. He is a God of light. And the God of revelation. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be your name. So we have a choice, how we respond to hurt, rejection, failures, and disappointments. It's easy to blame the father who wasn't home, a teacher who didn't care, a spouse who cheated, a drinking buddy who didn't know how to stop. In reality, nothing will change until I take responsibility for my life. We live in a culture that loves to shift the blame past the buck. We blame the government, our parents, the schools, Benjamin Franklin wrote, he who is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. Our God is in the business of new beginnings. When you give God everything, he turns your mess into miracles. I think you need to hear that again. <laughs> Our God is in the business, hallelujah, of taking your mess and put, making a miracle out of your life. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is good. He is faithful. He is kind. He is loving. He is forgiving. He's so full of grace. It showers on us every day. Every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God isn't interested in redecorating your life. He is after radical change, new construction. We do our part, and God will do his. So why don't we stand? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, I love this story, and I really I, I see 
God so beautifully in it. And it's in the book of John, um, chapter 8. We read about the woman who was caught in adultery. The religious leaders dragged her before Jesus and demanded justice. The law says, stone her. Imagine this woman. As far as she can tell, this is the last chapter of her book. Within the next several moments, she could be feeling her life slip away as she's plummaged by an angry mob of men throwing stones at her. No more new beginnings for her. Or is there? Then she hears from the master. Let the one without sin cast the first stone. In essence, Jesus is saying, before you pick up the stone, take a good look in the mirror. Make sure you are morally qualified to put this woman to death. Make sure there is no malice, no deceit, no trickery, no dishonesty. And make sure you're not guilty of the same crime yourself. After the religious leaders accepted defeat, Jesus turned his attention to this young woman. He didn't say, sin no more, and I won't condemn you. Religion says, change, or I will condemn you. It used to, they used fear and intimidation to make people measure up. But grace says, I have forgiven you. Now Jesus says, let me also change your life. It's time for a new beginning. So I'm going to open these altars tonight. And I'm not sure where you are in your walk with God. Maybe you've never heard about this born-again experience, and you have a conviction that you need to be right with God. You need to be born of the water and the Spirit. If you want to be baptized tonight, you can do that. You can see our pastor over here and speak to him, Pastor David. Um, it's the best thing I ever did. <laughs> In Jesus' name, he, it changed my life. It washed away the sins, and I felt new, and I felt fresh, and I, I experienced the love of God. If you need the Holy Ghost, he's pouring it out. He's been pouring it out for a long time, from the, since the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Upon all flesh who desire it. All you have to do is repent and ask him for that and begin to worship him, and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Maybe you've been a disciple of Jesus for a long time, and something inside of you knows there's something more God wants to do in your life, and something just needs to change. Hallelujah. You feel it. There's a new chapter. It's about to begin. If that's you, I pray that you would come to the altar and that you would lay everything down at his feet. Tell him, I want a fresh start. God, bring a new beginning to my life. Hallelujah. God, I know you are the all-powerful God, and you have a plan for my life, and it is good. And it's going to bring you glory. And there's going to be many that are going to come into the kingdom of what you're going to do through me, because you have made me fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe, Jesus. Do that in me tonight, God. Change me, God, from the inside out. I want a fresh fire, God. I want to see people the way you do. 
I want to have a heart for them. I want your kingdom come in my life in greater measures. So these, these altars are open. You can come. I'm going to just say a prayer. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you, God, that there is nothing too hard. There's nothing impossible for you, God. I thank you that you are the living hope. You are the God that you said, if I just have a mustard seed of faith, God, hallelujah, that you can move mountains. And so, God, I'm praying tonight that if there is anything that is in the way, God, hallelujah, of moving in the things that you are calling us to, God, that you would move it from us, God. Give us a freshness in the spirit, God. Give us a renewing in the heart, God, hallelujah, of the things of God, hallelujah. God, because we believe, God, that you are the one that does miracles. You are the one, Lord, you said that we would do greater things, God, hallelujah. And we are standing on that word tonight, God. Bring a revival in our hearts, God. Hallelujah, of the war, the glory and the power of your love for us and for all those that are in this world, God. Oh, God, expand this kingdom, God. Hallelujah, through the people that you have saved out of darkness into your marvelous light. And God, I pray for those that have heard this message and if they have never heard about the born-again experience, God, that they would receive that tonight, God, for it is your will and it is your ways, God. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Amen.